Well, hello, friends and family. It is the weekend of Sunday, June the 18th. It is Father's Day. And so a very happy Father's Day to all of our fathers. And I want to especially wish a happy Father's Day to my father, Herman Yon, who joins us weekly from Rock Hill, South Carolina. I love you, Dad. Well, we continue today looking at James. We are in chapter 1, verses 21 through 27. Um, I'm going to be reading from the ESV, um, the English Standard Version. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unsustained from the world. So another hard teaching this morning or um, as we look at James. The last time we saw that, Jay, saw that James gave us three warnings to help us become mature Christians. He said, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and be slow to anger. And remember, he's talking about these things in regards to us being open to the Word of God. It's not just that we are quick to listen, it's what and to whom are we listening to. And so James is going to share with us today how we as Christians, as believers, need to allow God's Word to be firmly planted in our hearts, and how we need to show the world that His Word does dwell, does live, reside within us, if we want to grow in our spiritual walk with Jesus, as if we want to mature. Remember, the overarching thing of the book of James is not just works for works' sake, but for it is about maturity, spiritual maturity. And the first thing we need to recognize is that the Word of God has power. In James 1, 21, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. If a boat is lost at sea and slowly sinking, they would usually send out a distress signal, an SOS, which stands for save our souls. And God willing, the, the Coast Guard would hear that distress call and come and save them. Well, in much the same way, ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, right up to right now, humanity has been screaming out, save our souls. And God heard that cry even before the signal was screamed, and he sent Jesus Christ to do the very thing that our souls have been screaming out for. And the first thing which James tells us is that God has heard that cry and has supplied our very own rescue pack to save us. James says that God's word, the scripture, the Bible, has the power to save our souls. Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, 22 and 25, that his word has the power to make us new. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, 
since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory, like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flowers falls, but the word of God remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. You see, James told us that the last time we were together in James chapter 1, verse 18, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of his truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And the reason it has that power is because of what that word contains. The Bible contains God's way of salvation. Now, we know that the word sanctify means to set apart for a holy purpose. And in his prayer, Jesus spoke of the sanctifying influence of God's word. Remember, he he said in John chapter 17, verse 15, "I, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And so what James and Jesus are telling us this morning is that for us to grow spiritually, to mature, we need to understand that the word of God has set us apart for his purpose. And when we finally realize the power of the word of God, it should become very clear what the word is that what that word is and that that it is very important to us as believers as followers of Jesus. James says again in verse 21, therefore put away all filthiness, rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save our souls. For us to benefit from God's word, There are things which we need to get rid of in our lives. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us to purge. James mentions two of them, all filthiness and rampant wickedness. But we can't think that 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 is it. Paul has a longer list of things that we we need to get rid of. In Colossians chapter 3, 5 through 9, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. If we truly want to grow up, if we truly want the word of God to bear its fruit in our lives, then we first need to do something. We need to do some spiritual weeding. And again, the Holy Spirit has to do this in us because we're not going to get anything out of the study of the word if we continue to dwell on the things which are spiritually filthy and wicked. When it comes to God's word, we need to go about study with the right attitude. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. James says we need to receive God's word with meekness if we want to mature. Then we need to have an attitude of humility and be interested. And the way to have those attitudes is by remembering two things. First of all, that, that we, we're sinners. And secondly, we can easily be deceived. Sometimes we can end up studying God's word for all the wrong reasons. Sometimes we study just to learn facts and to show off 
maybe how knowledgeable we are. It maybe it's born out of an insecurity. Sometimes we study to learn facts so we can win debates with other religious groups. Uh, we, we want to use the Word of God, the, the foundation, the stone, instead of building upon, we want to pick them up and throw them. But James is telling us that when we're studying, we're studying to learn God's truth, not only to save our souls, but also to, sa- to save the souls of people around us. That's why David prayed in Psalm 119, verse 18, Open my eyes that, that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. You know, we can't convince someone that they need saving using the Bible if we don't look at the scripture and apply it to ourselves first. We really don't, we really need to understand that if we, that, that if worship is not important to us, it won't be important to non-Christians either who are watching us. If prayer isn't important to us, it won't be important to those living with us. If studying God's word isn't important to us, then it won't be important to anyone else who's thinking and who is on a spiritual journey and leaning into and learn, trying to learn about Christ. And that's why James says in James one twenty one, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. It's only the implanted word which can truly save our souls. We need to take the words out of the page and let them be implanted into our heart. We need to take the words written in ink from the Bible and not only read and meditate on them, but also we need to, to, to all of those things, so much of it which becomes permanent uh, within our heart, we, we, need to, we need to think and pray on it because it's only when we have it in our hearts that we can do what it says. Picking up with verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, Well, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. A doer of the word cannot be a forgetful hearer, because if we forget to apply the word to ourselves first, then we're deceived, and we know that we cannot deceive God. We know that we we cannot deceive Satan. So this means that usually we, the only person we deceive is ourselves. And not only can God see through us, not only can the devil see through us, more than likely our children and anyone else around us can see through us as well. So let's not deceive ourselves. Let's do what the word says. And one reason why we should do what it says is because of the blessing that comes from doing it. In verse 25, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, they will be blessed in this doing. There's a blessing to be found, not only by looking into the perfect law of liberty alone, but also by continuing in it, being a doer of the word. We can find blessings like joy and peace and happiness through reading the scripture, but the long-term blessings come from faithfully doing what the Scripture says. Jesus calls the Word of God the perfect law of liberty. Why? Well, simply because of its power to provide true freedom, freedom from the guilt and dominion of sin and the power of the message within that. Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, to the Gentile. 
So now that we understand the importance of God's word in our lives, or as we try to grasp that importance, James goes on and talks about making sure we belong to a belief system that are doers of God's word. When it comes to choosing quote-unquote religion, we are more than happy to leave out scripture or choose a religion which suits our needs. Sometimes we see religion almost like a, like a spare tire. It's used, you know, in a case of, a, of an emergency. Sometimes we see religion like a wheelbarrow. It, it easily tips and it, it's got to be pushed. Other times we see religion like a bus. It, it's used only when it's going our way. But however we, we see, quote unquote, religion as, we need to understand that unless it is pleasing to a holy God, it has zero value whatsoever. And James kindly tells us what kind of religion is acceptable to God in verse 27. What God the Father considers to be pure and genuine religion is this, to take care of orphans and widows and their suffering and to keep oneself from being corrupted by the world. The religion which God accepts is a religion which is pure and genuine. And one of the ways to recognize if we are part of this faith, which is pure and genuine, is by asking the question, is our Christianity a practicing Christianity? In other words, are we practicing what we preach? Are we hearers and doers of God's word? You see, having a faith and belief is meaningless unless we do something with it. Jesus said himself in Matthew chapter 7, not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do what my Father in heaven wants them to do. He also said in Luke six forty six, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and yet don't do what I tell you? You see, if, if we are still trying to, to have somehow Jesus bless our desires, our desires uh, and, and wants before we were saved, before we came into relationship with him, then we are missing the point completely. That is not what Jesus wants to do. Jesus wants to change our desires and give us his desires and do what he wants us to do. And so this should be important because it was important to James, so important that he's going to emphasize this point a little later in James chapter 2, 14 through 17, verse 26, and talk about how, how faith has to have legs attached to it. Does our belief go beyond the walls of our meeting place? Does our religion go beyond the printed pages of the scripture? Does, does our quote-unquote religion go beyond a sacrificial hearing of the word? Is, is, is there any part of faith that isn't a practicing faith? Well, then it's a dead faith. But not only should our religion be a practicing religion, it should be a practical one. James says, and also in verse 27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Does our following of Jesus, does our Christianity consist of more than just going to church, reading and praying? Does, does our Christianity reach out and show itself in compassion to those in need? God never intended our belief and following of Jesus just to be about coming together on Sunday. 
And although this is very important for us to do, God also intended that our faith and beliefs stretch out our hands in service to others. We're supposed to help others by doing good and others to uh, doing good to others in His name. Hebrews thirteen: Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. John tells us in First John chapter three seventeen through eighteen: But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. What makes it pure and genuine is applying the word of God in our lives. Now, again, not not only should our faith be a practicing faith, a practical faith, it should be a personal faith. James one twenty three. for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. James one twenty four. for he looks at himself and goes away and once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in this doing. If any, if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart. This person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. He uses the word oneself. Do, 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 we, get what we're, do, do we get what he's getting at here? Our faith, our belief is very personal. It's not private. We can't confuse those two words. But still, it's very personal. And God still expects us to fulfill our personal service, our personal service to the things that, that God is passionate about, to the poor, the widows, the orphans, literally and figuratively, as we have the ability and as we have the opportunity. It's one of the principles that we find within the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 14, 27 through 29. Do not neglect the Levites who live in your towns. They have no property of their own. At the end of every third year, bring the tithe of all your crops and store it in your towns. This food is for the Levites since they own no property and for the foreigners, orphans, and widows who live in your towns. They, they are to come and get all they need. Do this. And the Lord your God will bless you with everything you do. As believers, as followers of Jesus, we need to make our Christianity personal because we can't pay someone else to do our work for us. And we can't excuse ourselves by saying, well, I, I, I gave here, I, I did this. This true quote unquote religion, which is pleasing to God, is always looking for an opportunity to give and serve anyone who's in need. It goes beyond what we may do in conjunction with others. It, it includes our own personal sweat equity, our own personal involvement, apart from what others may do. So to wrap it up, to finish, here's a question. How can we be part of a pure religion if we are far from being pure ourselves? Now, this is it's an important question, which we have to answer. Because James reminds us in James 1.27 that the religion which pleases God needs to not only be genuine, but also pure. And that word pure means without blemish. Some translations use the word undefiled, which, which means untainted or, or unspotted. But if we're sinners, which we are, of course, 1 John 1a, if we say we have no sin, well, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. So if we're sinners, how can we ever be pure, undefiled and unspotted? Well, 
in first John one seven, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. The answer is found in the blood of Jesus Christ. And when we walk in light with God, then the blood of Christ will cleanse us and makes us pure. But as we all know that that pureness doesn't last long, does it? It, 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 it's not long before we start sinning again, but there's good news in first John chapter one, verse nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from our unrighteousness. John says that believers can also experience that, that continuous cleansing of the blood when we confess our sins to to God. And so what James is saying to us this morning is that with Christ's blood, with his covering, and with help from God through the gift of the Holy Spirit given to us as at believers at Pentecost, he offers us a way out of our temptations according to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It, it is possible to be pure and undefiled and unspotted by the world. While other religions may be practicing, they, they may be practical, and, and to some degree they may even claim to be personal, but it's only the true faith and belief in Jesus Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that can present a person pure in the sight of God. And that is the faith that we have the privilege and the high calling to be a part of. Amen. God bless, and happy Father's Day.